You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. So this is Christmas. And I know some of you are thinking, you're like, no, it's not actually Christmas. Christmas is next week. It's a little too early to, to say it's Christmas. But, you know, there are some people who start celebrating Christmas like right after Halloween. I mean, they don't, they don't even wait for people to take off their Halloween uh, outfits and, and, and get over the, the candy rush that you feel the night before. I mean, people are celebrating Christmas on, on November 1st. How, how many of you, that's you? Like, you start celebrating Christmas November 1st. Yeah, you got the Christmas music playing. You break out the tree. You decorate it, put lights on it. You got the ugly sweater on. You're roasting chestnuts on an open fire because who doesn't do that, right? I mean, we all do that. Like for some of you, Thanksgiving is just this, this glorified buffet that's practiced for Christmas. Like that's, that's all Thanksgiving is, right? And, but, but, but I love this, this time of year and I love this season. And, um, but I do find it fascinating the ways that we celebrate Christmas. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever thought about all the different ways that we celebrate Christmas. Like it, it, it really is the most wonderful time of the year. And because of that, we... Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa la 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 la. Which, by the way, how many of you actually deck your halls with boughs of holly? Right? No, you don't even know what a bough of holly is. But we sing this song. This this, this is the time of year where where what we do to celebrate is we take a tree that grows outside and we put it inside in our living room. And we don't just put any tree in our living room. It's a pine or a conifer. Like, you don't put a maple tree in your living room. You don't put an oak tree in your living room. You're not decorating a weeping willow in your living room. Like, it's this pine tree that we put in our living room. And what we do is we take this tree that belongs outside. We put it inside. We put lights on it. Or maybe you get a tree that's already pre-lit. Come on, somebody. And then we decorate the tree. And then we put presents underneath the tree. We also put lights on our house. And, and listen, I love all the decorations. I, I love it. It's great. But it's just, it's just interesting to me. It, it's at this time of year, too, that we sing all sorts of different songs, right? I mean, we sing songs about reindeer. We sing songs about jolly old St. Nicholas. We, we, we sing a, a song about a, a snowman who comes to life and terrorizes a town. We, we sing this song about a little drummer boy who comes to play a drum solo for a little baby Jesus born in Bethlehem because that's what every newborn baby needs is a drum solo in the middle of the night, right? And so, so we sing these bizarre songs. We, uh, we echo the words of Mariah Carey's song, All I want for Christmas is you and I want this 4K TV too, right? It's like, hey, honey, I love you and all your curves, but this TV has a curve you do not have. Come on, I need it for Christmas. It is a 4K 70-inch curved TV, just in case you were wanting to get me something. But we, we, we echo this song. We, um, it, it's bizarre, too. At, at this time of year, we drink eggnog, which... I love eggnog, but it's like this time of year, if you don't know, eggnog is made of raw eggs, and so it's in this time of year, like our fear of salmonella disappears, and so we just drink down this frothy, calorie-dense drink, and, uh, but, but I guess if you put enough rum or bourbon in it, I mean, anything tastes good. So for me, I'm just like, hey, bring on the nog, right? Just bring it on. 
And uh, so, so we drink that. We, oh, and, and the other thing we do is we kiss people because we're standing underneath a parasitic plant. Right? I mean, that's what mistletoe is. Mistletoe is this parasite that leeches onto another tree. It kills the tree. We clip it. We put it in a doorway and we're like, hey, we got to kiss. So I mean, it's, just, it's just bizarre how we, how we celebrate the season. But I love it. I mean, th- this time of year, I love this time of year. It, it, it really is, I think, aside from summer, this is the best time of year ever. And um, it's just bizarre how we celebrate it. And so I, I started thinking through, uh, are there other ways that people celebrate Christmas that are just as bizarre? And uh, so, so what I did was I did some research this, this past couple weeks to see how other countries and cultures celebrate Christmas. And I could do that research because I only work on Sundays. And uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> By the way, I love it when people think that. They're like, you just work on Sunday. No, this is a full-time job. Like, Preaching on Sunday is just part of what I do. But, but I, I don't know if you've actually ever considered what I do on Sunday. Like, it's tough. I mean, he, here's what I do every Sunday. Well, first, every week. I have to write a written report that I have to then orally give to you. And the oral report that I give to you each and every week has to be comedic and funny. Because if it's not funny and you're not laughing, you're not going to stay with me. And so i got to f- figure out how to be a, a comedian on Sunday. Um, I also have to put content in my sermon that's both timeless and relevant. Um, I, I, the, the text that I have to use is 2,000 years old, and so I'm drawing from that to make it both timeless and relevant so it relates to you. But then on top of all of that, I have to pull all this together to make something that's inspirational, motivational, and challenging, something that's going to help you live at the next level of life. I mean, this is difficult work. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. You haven't because you're concerned about your own job. But I'm under a lot of stress and pressure every Sunday. So I need you to respond a little better sometimes. I need you to laugh a little better sometimes, even if it's not funny. Just give me that sympathy laugh. Like, oh, he's, he's really trying because he's really trying to help me become greater, and so I'll just give him a bone. But um, anyway, so I started researching some, some things that other countries do to celebrate Christmas, and uh, here's, some, here's some interesting um, traditions that other countries do, and, and maybe you want to adopt these in your own um, celebration of Christmas. In, in Sweden... Since 1966, uh, they've built this massive goat out of straw and ribbon, and they place it in the center, center of a castle square during Advent. Uh, but since this tradition began, when they started building this goat out of ribbon and straw, another tradition sprang up, and this tradition is to see if they can burn the goat down. And so this Swedish tradition uh, with this goat has become like Burning Man. Uh, but it's, it's this massive goat instead of this massive man. And since its inception in 1966, the goat has been successfully burned down 29 times. And uh, the most recent time was in 2016. So maybe you want to you wanna do that. Um, in Austria... Now, I don't know what the people of Austria were thinking when they came up with this, and maybe you're familiar with this because of a movie that came out a couple years ago uh, about Krampus, but in Austria, they have this, this folklore about Krampus, who is this beast-like demon creature that's said to be St. Nicholas's evil accomplice, and while St. Nicholas rewards good kids, Krampus snatches bad kids and takes them away forever. So the people of Austria got together, and they were like, we will scare kids into being good. And, and here's the most disturbing part about this. Actual real people dress up like this and roam the streets during December and scare kids in Austria. Maybe, maybe we'll leave that one alone. I don't know. But uh, in Iceland... 
Uh, for 13 days leading up to Christmas, kids put their best shoes by the window. And during these 13 days, 13 trolls called the Yule Lads come out and play and they leave gifts in the shoes of good kids, but they leave rotten potatoes in the shoes of bad kids. Uh, in Caracas, Venezuela, every Christmas Eve, people in the city head to church. By the way, make sure you're here December 23rd because people in Venezuela go to church too. But when they go, they roller skate there. So, hey, if you want to do that, do your thing. Uh, but here's, here's what I think is the most bizarre Christmas celebration of all, and it happens in Catalonia, Spain, where they had this thing called a Christmas log. And uh, this is a hollow log with stick legs, a smile, and a red hat. And every evening between December 8th and Christmas Eve, kids feed the log treats and give it water, and then they leave him under a blanket to keep him warm. And then on Christmas Eve, what the kids do is they beat the log with sticks while singing traditional songs, which include these lyrics, poop log, poop nuggets, hazelnuts, and motto cheese. If you don't poop well, I'll hit you with a stick, poop log. And after the Christmas log has been beaten and serenaded, it's said that the log magically poops out presents and candy that night, then on Christmas, he's thrown into the fire because that's how you show gratitude. Thanks for the presents. Now burn. I, I don't know about you. I think we should just stick, stick with Elf on the Shelf. Are you guys good with that? We'll, we'll just do that one. So Christmas is celebrated in all sorts of different ways uh, by all sorts of different people all around the world. Um, but if I were to ask you, what is Christmas all about? I mean, it's celebrated in all sorts of different ways, but what's the meaning of Christmas? Like, what's it really all about? Um, I, think, I think a lot of people would probably say, well, Christmas is about family, right? And it is. If you said that Christmas is about family, you'd be right. That's true. It's accurate. Christmas is about family. Maybe, maybe say Christmas is, is a season of giving, right? And that's right. That's true. If you say it's giving, man, it's, it's all about giving. Maybe say Christmas is a season of joy. And that's true, too. Christmas is all about joy. But, but really, I think most of us, because we're in church, and, and even if you're not part of a church or, or you don't go to church, most people would say, well, Christmas is all about Jesus. Like, the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because of the birth of Jesus. And that's right. But the question I want to ask you this morning is, what does that mean to you? Like, how does that matter to you? How does, how does the birth of this baby in Bethlehem affect you and change you and have an impact on your life? See, see I, think, I think for a lot of us, we'd say, yeah, listen, Christmas is all about Jesus, but the way that we go about celebrating Christmas looks a lot like this, this lawn decoration that I saw in our neighborhood recently, where there's, there's this there's this itty-bitty little nativity scene, itty-bitty Jesus and great big Santa, right? Because, yeah, listen, Christmas is all about Jesus. But if I don't get that crock pot I've been eyeing, I'm going to be disappointed. But, hey, don't get me wrong. Christmas is all about Jesus. He's the reason for the season. But, kids, if you're not good, Santa's not visiting you. Listen, Christmas is all about Jesus. He's the center of the season, but for the next 25 days, our family's going to center around where did the elf show up? And that's where I'm going to spend my time, figuring out creative ways to put an elf in a certain place, as opposed to figuring out how to center my family around Jesus. And listen, I'm not throwing stones. I'm not blaming. I'm not, I'm, I'm, no, no, same here. I'm, I'm right there with you. See, for so many of us, yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's all about Jesus. 
But I can't be here on December 23rd for church because I got family plans and I'm preparing a meal and I'm just really busy and I got a lot going on. Hey, by the way, I want to encourage you this year, don't celebrate the season and miss the reason. Make sure you're here next week on December 23rd. Because we're doing two worship experiences, one at 9 and one at 11. Both are identical, and you can come to either one you want to. And maybe you're like, man, which one should I come to? Here's the answer. Come to the one that your friends can come to. Because you're not going to come alone. Because Christmas is one of the best times for you to bring somebody who doesn't go to church. Like, this is the best time where your ask will most likely be answered with a yes. Because it's at this time of year that people who don't go to church will go to church because I, I think I'm supposed to because it's like Christmas and Jesus and maybe God will be happy with me. And you can use that for motivation. Like you can say, yes, that's why you should come. And then get them here and hopefully they'll see that church is different than what they thought. Hopefully when they come here, they'll discover that there's a God who loves them, who's called them by name and has given them a plan and a purpose for their life. And if you got to use the motivation of... It's Christmas and you're supposed to. Then do it. Because next week may be the week that your coworker who gave up on God years ago finally discovers that God didn't give up on him. Next week may be the week that your husband that you've been praying for, that you've been saying, please come with me to church. You can just tell him, hey, honey, all I want for Christmas is you to come sit with me at church. And he'll come because you guys sleep together and you control that. So next week may be the week where you say, hey, where you say, you got to come. Next week is the week for you to reach out to your coworker, to your friend, to the person in your class, to the people that you see at the gym and say, hey, man, I would be so honored for you to come sit with me. Don't come alone next week. Because the truth is this, we invite the most meaningful people to the most meaningful moments in our life. And next week is the most meaningful moment of this season and hopefully of your life because you get to come and celebrate the birth of your Savior. But when you bring your friend, when you bring your family member, when you bring your coworker, you get to bring them to introduce them to their Savior as well. Because Jesus isn't just your Savior who saved you from your sins. He's their Savior as well. And he's called them to become greater. And you get a chance to introduce them just by saying, come and see. And one of the things that we've done as a church to just really help you with this is we've given you tools to make inviting easier. Uh, When you came in, you saw some invite cards on your chair. We gave you, uh, I I think it's like a stack of 10. We want you to get rid of those by giving them out to people. Don't get rid of them by throwing them in the trash, but get rid of them by giving them out to people. Take take a picture of that post, uh, of that invite card and text it to your friends and say, man, it would mean so much to me if you came and sat with me this Sunday. We've, we've, uh, we have posters available at the back, so as you exit, I want to invite you to take some posters and put them up all around. We've already seen people put them up in Starbucks, they've put them up in the library, they've put them up at their workplace. We've seen people put these posters up all over the place, and so we want to equip you to be able to do that. Because who knows, maybe somebody sees a poster, they tear off the tag, and they come because you put it there, and their life is forever changed. We, we have a radio ad right now that's running on 96X. Uh, It it ran this past week. It'll run this week. We even made a video for this radio ad. We posted it online so that you could share that to get the word out. And the reason why we're doing something like that, the reason why we're spending money to advertise on the radio is so that you can use that as a tool to say, hey, I don't know if you've heard my church's radio ad on 96X, but you should come. 
And maybe somebody hears that and they're like, oh yeah, I have heard that. And then I saw this poster at Starbucks and then you're giving me this invite card. You know, I think God is calling me to come. So we do all these things to make it easy for you to bring people so that you can partner with us. We can partner with you to reach people who need to know that Jesus loves them and he hasn't given up on them and he's called them to become greater. So next week, 9 and 11, both identical worship experiences. And maybe you're wondering, which one should I come to? The one your friends come to. And maybe your friends, you have some friends who can come at 9, some friends who come at uh, at 11. That means you're coming to both of them so you can sit with them. But don't come alone. We want to pack this place out because next week this place is going to be packed out. And by the way, 9 and 11, that's going to be the norm one day where we're doing two worship experiences. Because I just see the day when this place place is packed out, where people are in the balconies. Like, it's going to be nuts, but we're preparing for that now. So make sure you don't come alone. We invite the most meaningful people to the most meaningful moments in our life. But this is the most meaningful moment in their life, and they don't even know it. Really, really what I want you to do this week is I want you to do the words of the song. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. But I want you to go tell it on the Instagram. I want you to go tell it on the Facebook. I want you to go tell it one-on-one. I want you to go tell it through the text message. I want you to go tell it through a phone call. Don't sit complacent this week and let your friends go on and celebrate the season and miss the reason. Go tell it that Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. Jesus Christ is born. You know, that's what I want to ask you about this morning. That Jesus Christ is born. What does that mean to you? That Jesus Christ is born. This baby that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago, what does that mean to you? How does that affect you? How does that change you and transform you? That Jesus Christ is born. Today we're starting the series uh, about Christmas. It's a two-week series. And um, I wanted to center this, this series around the song, Happy Christmas, War is Over, by John Lennon and, and Yoko Ono. This is a, a song that was released back in uh, 1971. And it was a song that was made really as protest for the Vietnam War. And, uh, and I didn't choose this song because I wanted to talk to you about protesting the Vietnam War. But I chose this song because of the sentiment that it carries when it comes to this season. Uh, so I don't know if you've, you caught it when we, when we sang it earlier, but, but this song, Happy Christmas, War is Over, there's this, there's this juxtaposition between happiness and sadness. Uh, between gladness and sorrow. There's happiness in the song because John Lennon sings the the familiar greetings that that we're used to. Uh, Happy Christmas, or Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, He he wishes, uh, I hope you have fun. And so so that's a great part of the song, but but there's this melancholy tone to the song. There's this sadness to it. And and there's a section in the song, uh, really the very beginning, where he says, uh, so this is Christmas. Uh, here we are. It's like, th- this is it. Okay, so this is Christmas. And, and I get this picture of this guy who's looking around at all the decorations, at all the, all the, all the cheer, all the, all the presents, all the ways that we celebrate Christmas. And he looks around and he says, so this is Christmas. Kind of unimpressed. And it's like he's, he's looking around and he's pointing out the hollowness of the season. So, so this is Christmas. This is what it's all about. The trees, the lights, the presents. Santa Claus being good, an elf on a shelf. This is, this is it. This is Christmas. He says, so, so this is Christmas, and, and, and what have you done? 
uh, another year over and a new one just begun. Because, I mean, if you think about it, here we are this time of year, December 2018. So this is Christmas. But, but we were here last year, too. I mean, so, hey, this is Christmas 2017, and we were, we were here the year before and, and the year before. And really, the, the question I believe the song begs to, to ask is, how is your life different because of this season? What does Christmas really mean to you? Like, like I, I just think for, for so many of us, when it comes to, to Christmas, and it's all about Jesus. But for so many of us, what we do is we pack up Jesus with our Christmas decorations, and we put them away, and we go on with our life throughout the rest of the year until we get here next year. And nothing changes. Nothing's different. So I want to ask you this morning, this is Christmas. What have you done? What's it mean to you? How has your life changed? How have you become more like Jesus this past year? How will you become more like Jesus next year? How's your family better? How's your marriage better? Is it? How's your workplace different? Because you're there. So this is Christmas. But what's it mean to you? Has it really changed your life like it's supposed to? And what I want to do over the next two weeks is I want to inject new life into the meaning of Christmas so that when you think about Christmas and, and why we celebrate all this, it will never be the same for you, but, but you will be forever changed and transformed because of this year. You know, uh, a few years ago, I was, um, I was talking with a friend of my wife's. Um, it was about Easter time, and um, I, was, I was talking to her about uh, coming to church because Christmas and Easter are some of the best times to bring somebody who doesn't go to church to church. It's, it's one of those times that, that, that people will say yes. And so... Um, I was talking to her about it, and they already had church plans. They were, they were already going to church, and uh, I, I thought that was great. I thought it was awesome, but but I asked her. I said, "Are, are you guys a part of a church?" She said, "No, no. We just we just go every once in a while." And I asked her, "Okay, but like, do you believe the message of Easter? Like, do you believe that whole thing? Do, do you believe the message of Christmas? I mean, you, you go to church on Christmas and Easter. Like, do you really believe that 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 there was this baby who was born?" in Bethlehem, in this manger, and, and this baby grew up to, to live a perfect life, a life we can't live. This baby was the Son of God, and this guy named Jesus, he lived a perfect life, and he went to the cross to die for you and for me, to take our sin on himself so that when Jesus died, our sin died, but not only did he die, like the message of Easter is that he rose again from the dead. Like, do you really believe that that happened? And she was like, Yeah. By, by the way, I have this tendency to just, like, ask some of the most um, challenging and awkward questions to people. Like, we were there picking up our kids from daycare, and I was like, do you really believe this? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And, and, and so then I asked her, well, how come it's just part-time for you then? Like, well, I mean, you really believe that there's a God who loves you, who's called you by name, who says, I have a plan and a purpose for your life, who's called you to greatness. You really believe that there's a God who's forgiven you and given you new life, but he's just somebody you visit a couple times a year. Why have you made him part-time? Because I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to believe this whole thing is true and not make it the center of my life. Because it means, it means, man, that there's so much more for me, that, that I can have victory, 
even when I feel defeated, that I am good enough, even when I feel like I'm not. Like, if I really believe this, it means that my marriage can be better than it is. It means that my kids can can grow up with hope. It, 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 It means that my job doesn't have to be something that I dread going to, but my job can be, like, it's my mission field. It, it, it's a place that I can shine the light and love of Jesus to people. Man, if this is real, it changes everything. And so this is Christmas. What have you done? What's this mean to you? Who cares? Baby was born 2,000 years ago. If it doesn't impact your life, it doesn't matter. So what is Christmas to you? I want to I tell you what it means to me. Christmas, here's what it means to me. Christmas means that the war is over. See, John Lennon in this song, he gave us the reason for Christmas without even knowing it. Christmas means that the war is over. But in order for me to explain to you what that means, that the war is over, I can't begin 2,000 years ago in Israel. I need to actually begin in the very beginning in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. See, the way that Genesis begins is this. It says that God creates uh, the heavens and the earth. He creates everything that we see. He creates rocks and plants and birds and bees and Elam monsters, and he creates everything we see. And what we find in the book of Genesis is that God is a hedonist. God creates everything for our pleasure so that we could enjoy it. God also, he, he creates us so that we could be in relationship with him. And so God creates everything for our pleasure, for us to enjoy, for us to manage, for us to take care of. He creates us to be in relationship with him. And God creates us with a choice, a choice to love him or not. We see it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. When God creates Adam, he says to him this, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. When God creates Adam, he creates him free. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But he does give him this one caveat, right? The the one caveat is this, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so right here we see that God gives Adam a choice. You can either follow me and be free, or you can rebel against me and be enslaved. Now, God doesn't say it exactly this way, but this is the choice he's given Adam. You can follow me and be free, or you can rebel against me, do what I've told you not to do, and be enslaved. And Adam chooses to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And and, and here's what you need to understand. The tree in the garden isn't about fruit. The tree is about trust. The question God is asking Adam is, will you trust me? I've, I've called you to live this certain way. I know what's best for you. And eating from this tree is not what's best for you, but I need to give you a choice. And so will you trust me or not? And the thing is, you and I have made the same choice Adam made. Adam chose to rebel against God. And we've made that same choice too. We've all made the choice to rebel. And because of that, sin entered the world. And sin is everything we've done that we regret. Sin is everything we've done that where we've hurt ourselves, where we've hurt other people. Sin is the reason why you keep going back to the computer screen and looking at those websites. Sin, sin is the reason why you blow up at your spouse when you've had a long, hard day and you know you shouldn't, but oh, you're just so frustrated and it's because of sin. Sin is 
the reason why there's this stuff you just know you shouldn't do and, and you feel so guilty and you have this regret and you, and, and I don't want to do it, but I keep on doing it. It's because of sin. Sin distorts every good thing that God created. And so Adam is given this choice. Will you eat from the tree or not? And Adam ends up eating from the tree. He rebels against God and now he's enslaved to sin. And then, and then God shows up in the picture after all of this. See, what happens is God creates Adam. He says, don't eat from, from this one tree. Adam passes that along to Eve, who's, who's made later. And, and by the way, if you hear all this and you're like, this is weird, right? I get it. I mean, it sounds weird. Like maybe, maybe you hear other creation stories and you're like, yeah, this is just one of those. But here's the thing. You and I, we feel the effects of this creation story every day. We feel the consequences of this creation story every day. Like, we live this out. And so, and so God creates Adam, and then he creates Eve. And what happens is Eve is the one who eats from the tree that she's not supposed to. She eats from the tree, and then she gives some to Adam. And then God comes into the picture, and he goes to Adam, and he says, Adam, what have you done? By the way, I want to point this out. Eve eats the fruit first, but God doesn't go to Eve first. He goes to Adam. You know why God goes to Adam? Because Adam is the head of the household. Adam is the leader of his family. Adam is responsible for what takes place in his household. What this is is commentary for men for you to step up and lead in your house well, to be somebody worth following. This isn't, honey, you need to follow me because I'm the leader, but honey, I want you to follow me because I'm, worth, I'm somebody worth following because I love no matter what, because I serve no matter how hard it gets, because I am willing to be by your side no matter what. Men, it's our responsibility to step up and lead well. So God goes to Adam because he holds him responsible for what's happened. And he says, Adam, what have you done? So this is Christmas, and what have you done? Adam, what have you done? And Adam says, God, have you seen Eve? She made me do it. I mean, what look at her, and I just had to because I was sleeping with her. And so I had to. She made me do it. And then God says to Eve, what have you done? And she says, God, you don't get it. The serpent made me do it. Everyone passes the blame here. Wouldn't it be something if we just took extreme ownership of our own actions, of our own, of our own choices, and we just faced the consequences instead of blaming someone else? Adam says, she made me do it. Eve said, the devil made me do it. And God said, okay, well, here's the consequences of what you've done. Adam, from now on, work is going to be difficult. Apparently, work wasn't difficult in the garden, but now it's difficult. This is one of the reasons why some of you hate your job. Because work is just difficult. You can just blame Adam for what he did. God said to Eve, all right, well, from now on, childbirth is going to be painful. So apparently, there was a time where giving birth to children wasn't painful ladies you can blame Eve for that one uh, but then but then God says the consequences to the serpent now the serpent uh, was Satan the devil and again I, I know it sounds weird or, or, or far-fetched but but again we, we feel the effects of, of our enemy coming at us even even now but but he gives the consequences to, to Satan who comes in the form of a serpent. And here's the consequences he gives to Satan. It says, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly. Now, now that's not important to us. We don't, we don't care about this groveling in the dust as long as you live. It doesn't impact us. We're not, we're not serpents. But, but here's, here's the last part. 
And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Here it is right here, right here. God says that because of sin, because of the enemy that we have, that there's a war that's been waged between Satan and humanity. He says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. See, we came from Eve, and so we're the offspring of Eve. And God is saying there's going to be a war between Satan and us. And we feel the effects of this war that's, that's waged against us. See, Jesus said that we have a very real enemy. And this enemy, he says in John chapter 10, verse 10, this enemy is like a thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy And so your enemy, my enemy, from the very beginning of creation, has waged a war on us. And he comes to us and plants insecurities in our head. You really think he loves you? I mean, look at you. Nobody could love you. You you really think you're good enough to do that job? You're in way over your head. They made a mistake in hiring you. You don't have what it takes. What are you doing having kids? You can't even take care of yourself, let alone them. He plants these insecurities, these feelings of inadequacy. You can't do this. You don't know what you're doing. You're not good enough. And he does this to steal your confidence, to steal your courage. He comes to us and he, and he attacks us with um, this, this feeling of, of discontentment because my life doesn't look like my friends on Instagram. I mean, their hair is always nice and they're always smiling and they're always having fun and their family photo looks amazing. It took us five hours to get one good photo. There must be something wrong with me because my life doesn't look like what I see on Facebook and Instagram. He comes to rob you of your contentment with the weapon of comparison. See, comparison kills contentment. He, he comes to you to try and destroy your family by lobbing grenades of lust at you, by, by, by throwing these, these darts of just, is anything going to change? Nothing's ever going to change. You're stuck in this might be a good idea to start looking elsewhere. We have an enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And every time you have to choose between faith or doubt, peace or worry, hope or despair, trust or restlessness, joy or sorrow, forgiveness or offense, victory or defeat, serenity or stress, you feel the effects of this war that's been waged in you. And there's this tension Here's how, here's how the Apostle Paul wrote it 2,000 years ago. He penned how we struggle in this war. He said, I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. And you feel the effects of that. I feel the effects of that. We've been in this war since the beginning of creation. See, at the beginning of creation, a war was waged against us. And this isn't some super spiritual war, angels and demons battling out there, but it's a war that we feel every single day. For some of you, it's a struggle just to come to church today. We feel this war. 
Genesis 3.15, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And there it is. This sentence right here points to the promise of Christmas. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. In the very beginning, in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, God said to Satan, there's going to be a war between you and humanity, but I'm going to send someone who's going to strike your head. You'll strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. The kids in the Harlem Community Choir sang in that song this refrain, war is over. War is over. They say war is over if you want it. War is over if you want it. Christmas is the declaration that war can be over if you want it. Because Jesus, our warrior, was born. The one who came to wage war against Satan was born. The one who came to put an end to the war was born. Jesus, the head crusher, was born. That's a good title for Jesus, isn't it? The head crusher. Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, all the way from the pearly gates of heaven, born of a virgin, God in the flesh, laid in a manger on a silent night in Bethlehem, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the reflection of perfection, the sensation of the nation, the firstborn of creation. creation. Ladies, Ladies and gentlemen, and I, I present, present to you, you Jesus, Jesus of, of Nazareth, Nazareth the, the serpent, serpent head crusher. <laughs> See, Christmas is all about Jesus, the one who came to crush the head of our enemy, who's been waging a war in our life since we were born and long before we were born. When we celebrate Christmas, here's what I celebrate, the truth that the war is over. And next week on December 23rd, I'm going to tell you how you can ensure that the war will be over in your life because the head crusher has come and war is over if you want it. But next week, I'm going to explain to you how to make sure the war is over in your life. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. I want to thank you that this time of year is not just something that we go through where we celebrate traditions and set up trees and presents. And I love all those things and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but would you remind us that this season is the season where we celebrate the reason for our victory. Jesus, the serpent head crusher was born. And that means that we don't have to struggle in this war anymore. Because Jesus was born, we don't have to go back to the addiction that's been controlling us. Because this, the baby was born, we don't have to struggle in our marriage like we do. We don't have to struggle with our identity like we do because the head crusher was born and he gives us victory. The war is over. God, there are some of us who are fighting some battles here and now. And we've tried to kick the habit. We have done our best to overcome, but we still fall short and we still fail. 
I pray that today through your supernatural strength and power, as we come to you, God, you would heal us. You would give us the strength we need to overcome. You would give us the discipline to put boundaries in place, to say no to that thing anymore, and to stop bowing down in defeat to that because we have the victory in you. Jesus, you came to give us the victory. You came to give us life. You came to set us free. And God, I pray that from this moment on, we would begin to walk in the freedom you came to bring. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.